Take your Bibles this morning and turn to the uh, Gospel of John, the Gospel of John uh, chapter 2. It's there. We're going to uh, look at 11 verses of Scripture that uh, most of us uh, have uh, probably heard the story at uh, one time uh, or another. You know, as uh, I thought about, we are uh, six weeks away uh, from the greatest miracle that's ever known to human history. Six weeks away from the greatest miracle that was ever known to human history. It fulfilled uh, the uh, prophets and it fulfilled prophecies. Uh, It certainly uh, gave you and I uh, a chance to be able to escape death down here upon this earth. Uh, It certainly enlightened the world uh, in the fact that Jesus Christ defeated death when he got up uh, on that uh, Sunday morning. And uh, so in six weeks, uh, we are going to celebrate that miracle. Uh, And then the week before, we are going to set up that uh, with Palm Sunday. And so what I want to do over these uh, next four weeks is I want to look at at four uh, specific miracles uh, that led up uh, to the ultimate miracle. You know, uh, we serve a a, a miracle-working God. Uh, And in my years in ministry, I've seen people that think that... uh, uh, miracles are something that happened, uh, you know, years past, and, and they no longer happen today. But uh, I, I think of miracles are happening today, every day. We just may not be aware of them. I still think that God heals. Uh, I still think that God is a mountain mover. Uh, I still think that God is with us and he is delivering us and he is setting captives free. Matter of fact, I believe it's a miracle when somebody that's lost uh, and they become found. I mean, they become set free. Amen. And so so we're going to look at uh, four miracles Uh, leading up to the biggest uh, miracle. And so I'm excited uh, for these next four weeks just to see what God uh, wants to do uh, in our midst. And today uh, we basically come to a story uh, where we find Jesus in Cana. And we're talking about one of the best known, perhaps, miracles uh, in Scripture outside of the resurrection. Some refer to it as the conversion of the water to the wine. Uh, Some call it the uh, conversion at Cana. Uh, Others refer to it as the uh, miracle of the master. Uh, But today I want to just kind of look at it from the subject that uh, uh, our God can. I I, I mean, no matter what it is that you find yourself going through, our God can. This is indeed a well-known miracle of Christ. And while we preach a sermon on one of these miracles, you might ask, it's because it's important that we keep in mind that Jesus Christ is no natural man. Sitting here this morning, we are natural men, natural women, but Jesus Christ was not natural. He was the only begotten of God. We know that he was supernaturally, supernaturally he was born. We know that he supernaturally spoke. When he spoke, the winds and the waves obeyed him. When he spoke, he could take a simple sack lunch, and he could make it an entire banquet. When Jesus spoke, uh, demons literally fleed at his word. He is no natural man, and he healed supernaturally. He rose from the dead supernaturally. When he comes back, he's going to come back supernaturally. The angels declare that this same Jesus who you uh, have seen Uh, go, he will return in like manner. So Christ performed miracles throughout his ministry supernaturally. And the reason he performed miracles was not just to meet the need of the individual. I want you to hear this. 
Because a lot of times we think miracles are about us. But really, miracles are not so much about us as it is about him. He would perform miracles, and the reason he performed miracles was not just to meet that need of that individual, but it was just simply so that they would believe on him. It wasn't just to bring healing or, or just simply to bring provision or, or just simply to, to resurrect the dead or make the uh, lame to leap or the mute to hear or the dumb to be able to speak. Yet all of those are byproducts. They, they, they are byproducts and benefits of the miracle. But when you read the Bible, you discover in the 20th chapter of John that Jesus did many other signs and miracles in the presence of the disciples, but these were written so that you may believe in Jesus. That he did all of these things so that you and I would believe in Jesus. That he is the Christ, the son of the living God. That in believing you may have life in his name. All the miracles that Jesus uh, had done was not for the benefit of those uh, that were simply watching. But they were also for those of us that are here this morning. That in believing you may find life in his name. What is it today that you are looking for God to do? One of the first things that we're taught when we open the Bible, when we begin to uh, attend Sunday school for the first time, is that we come to understand that Jesus can, that God can. He is able to heal the sick. We know those through lots of stories in the Bible, that he is able to, to set the captive free. He, he is able to provide for every need according to his riches and glory. He's able to resurrect those things that are dead. He's able to calm the storms in our lives. If you need a miracle, you need to believe that God can. You need to believe that Jesus can. I don't know what all the needs said in here today, but I want to just let you know that Jesus can do all things. This puts you into remembrance that no matter what it is that you're facing, that God can get you through. And just as those who surrounded the Sea of Galilee had needs, there are those that are here this morning that have needs. There are those in the first century that needed a miracle. There are people all over the world today that are praying for a miracle. Today, there are people that are in hospital by bedsides that are praying for a miracle. Whether their loved one gets well or not, I mean, that's beside the point. I mean, ultimate healing will be when somebody that's saved go home to be with the Lord. But there are people today that are by bedsides that we don't even think about oftentimes, but, but, but they need some comfort. They need some peace. There are others that are getting over losing loved ones. They, 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 they need to know that Jesus can. There are others that are facing some sort of sickness or, or some sort of financial crisis. We need to understand that yes, as in this story, that people have needs today. All throughout the world, people have needs as well. And then there are those that are seeking Christ. Those that are sick in body need a healer. Those that are captive need to be set free. Those with financial stress need a provider. Those that are lost need a savior. I mean, we need to understand that that same Jesus that caused the lame to leap, that enabled them to be able to walk, that same Savior who took those fish and those loaves 
and that he fed those 5,000, that same Savior that walked on the shores of Galilee and started his ministry that couldn't be stopped is alive and well this morning. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and forever. He is the Son of God, the miracle-working power of Almighty God is alive and well in this room this morning. I mean, I want you to think about that for a moment, that every question today has an answer from Jesus Christ, that every need in this room this morning can be met by Jesus Christ, that everybody this morning in this room, that you can find some comfort in Jesus Christ, everybody in this room this morning can find some peace in Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is a need-meeting Son of Almighty God. And so over the course of these next four weeks, I, I, I want these not just to be stories of the past, but I want to bring these stories of the past into the present. And then when they get into the present, they can be stories to go forward into the future. Because I want you to know today that, that the Lord loves you. And I want you to know today that we're here, we're gathered, uh, not just simply to go through some religious action, but we're here to meet with God. And God wants to meet with us. And God wants us to believe that he can. And that's why we see these miracles. So out of John chapter 2, let's stand in honor of God's word. Let's say it like we mean it. This is the inspired word of God. In this word, there's a power. Change lives. You guys sound good today. It says in chapter 2, And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour has not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you to do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone, after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece, Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom. And he saith unto him, Every man at the beginning does set forth good wine, and when man have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning, in other words, this was the first. This beginning, this was the first. This beginning of the miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. Let us pray. Father God, today we're thankful for your word. Lord, we know that it is illumination to the soul. Lord, we know that it has touched souls in the darkest of places. So Lord, we know today that it can certainly touch us in this church, in this sanctuary, in this place of worship. Lord, today I pray that you decrease me, 
that, Lord, you just take merely a mortal man and decrease me so that you could increase that we would be able to leave here today not just merely hearing words about you, but, Lord, today, somehow, somehow we could hear a word from you. Lord, we love you. We thank you above all for the Calvary and what you did for us upon the cross. And it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Whenever we read these 11 verses in John chapter 2, there are a number of, a number of things that could cause us to stop and reflect. I mean, we could, we could talk about the conversation that Jesus had with his mother, and, and that in and of itself could be a sermon, and we uh, could, could, could laugh about that conversation. Then there are other things that are strange. The command that he gives to his servants to fill these water pots, and out of these water pots would become wine. And then we could run on all different sorts of things about the wine and the water and, and how all of these things happen. But I, I want to deal more with the practical. I want us to look this morning at, 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 at just some practical things we can draw out of this miracle that I believe today that ought to give us some encouragement of those of us that are here, that ought to be able to allow us to be hopeful as we leave this place, to have a little pep in our step, and, and to have us to have a positive outlook when it comes to the need of miracles. And the first thing that really strikes me most here is that when we look at Jesus, you always find Jesus in the area of need. You always find Jesus in the area of need. Let me say it again. You always find Jesus in the area of need. You know, this morning, I, I believe, not only in this church, but like I say, all throughout the world, there are people that have needs. Now, everybody needs different things, but I want you to know the most important thing that we need is Jesus. And when we look at this scripture, we come to understand that we get comfort to know that in your hour of need, the El Shaddai Jesus, the El Shaddai God is there for you and me. The all-sufficient God is there for you and me. He has always been there. He was there before eternity began. He was there standing on the balcony of darkness before the Father declared, let there be light. He was there when God, the Father, formed the frame of Adam out of dust. He was there when Noah and his sons fashioned the ark of salvation. He was there when Abraham found a substitutionary uh, uh, lamb for the sacrifice uh, of God. Man, I couldn't spit that out, but listen. He was there when Joshua and the children of Israel shouted the walls of Jericho down. He was there when the anointing oil dripped off the face of a shepherd boy named David. He was there when that same shepherd boy faced the giant of Goliath. He was there when Daniel was in the lion's den. He was there when Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego went through the fiery furnace. He was there when Paul and Silas was singing in a prison cell praise. He was there when John was on the Isle of Patmos and Jesus revealed the book of Revelation to him. He was there when Peter was crucified upside down. He has been and always will be there. He is here today 
today. For every child of God, he is here. For every need that we have, he is here. Because the word of God says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. The Bible says that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. David wrote in the Psalms, if I make my bed in hell, you're with me. If I ascend to the heavens that you are with me in the darkest hours, you will be there as well. When your world is about to cave in and you're all about to just simply throw in the towel, he will be there. When the devil comes up against you, He will always be there. When you need your giants to fall, he's there. When you need your walls of Jericho to tumble down, he's there. The word of God declares, call upon me and I will answer thee and show you great and mighty things that you know not. What joy it is to know that we can call upon the name of the Lord and he is there. Abraham called upon him and he received his son a promise. The children of Israel called upon him and they were delivered from Egypt. Joshua called upon him and and, and, and he was able to cross the river Jordan. Hannah called upon him and received her son Samuel. Whatever it is that you need. Whatever it is that you're facing, if it's healing, you can call upon him. If it's deliverance, you can call upon him. If it's provision, you can call upon him. If it's peace, you can call upon him. If it's joy, you can call upon him. I mean, you need to know today that he is always there and he is with us no matter whether we are in in, in the outskirts of hell or we're in the ascending part of heaven. He is always there. Whether you have a need or you don't have a need, Whether you have many friends or no friends, he is there. And we need to understand the presence of God has been with man throughout all of ages before he ever stepped out on that balcony. I mean, he was in present form. Today, you and I have part of the Trinity which lives inside of us called the Holy Spirit. And there's no place that we can go outside the presence of Almighty God. He is constantly with us. Today, we just need to recognize whether we're going to bed at night or we're waking up in the morning, whether the sun is setting or the sun is up, whether the moon is out or the sun is out, whether the stars are twinkling or the clouds are covering the stars, that God is constantly there. He is with us no matter where we are in this life. Isn't that comforting? Man, that that ought to comfort you today. That ought to to be a comfort that, that even when you're alone, the presence of Jesus is with you. If you're at the hospital bedside, he's there. You know, I've been in a hospital before, and so I don't want to go back to all those things. But listen, I would just say this, that if you're there in that hospital and you've got doctors or you've got family, those things are important to have. But most importantly is the fact that Jesus is there. You know, one of the things I always pray when I'm visiting people, and I don't know, God just gave this to me, and it's really not a repetitious prayer, but it's something that I always am reminded of when I approach God when I'm at the hospital. Because that person will be getting ready to go into a surgery, or they'll be laying there in that hospital bed, and they'll just think that, hey, I'm getting ready to go to the operating table, or I'm there in that hospital in the bed, but I'll always say this, that it may seem like they're in the hospital bed or getting ready to go into surgery, but really they're in the palm of the hand of Almighty God. And you know what? If you will just remember that Jesus is there, if, if, you, if, you, if you would just leave here today and you would just simply 
realize and know that the presence of God surrounds you and that maybe nobody else is looking, maybe nobody else is around, but you just simply know and understand that Christ is always there in a time of need. Everywhere in the Bible that you find a need, you will find Jesus there. And so in our lives today, no matter what it is that we're facing, you need to know that he's there for you, that he's not left you. But you know what? It's not enough to believe because when, when, when Jesus gives us all of these miracles, it's, it's also not enough just to believe, but, but we got to believe that he has the power to change the situation. It's not just enough that he's there, but he has the power to do something about the problem. You kind of get stuck in the area of verse 3 or 4. Any man that takes this approach to his mother would have been supernatural. And we, and we, we can talk about this and, and, and laugh about this, and I think we've mentioned this uh, on times before. But anybody that could call their mother woman, I mean, that right there would be supernatural. You know what I'm saying? Just in of herself. Listen. But listen, he didn't call her mother because disrespect. He wanted her to know that she needed a Savior just like you and I. And that he was not natural. He was, he was, he was supernatural. The way you fix problems are not the way he fixes problems. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. We're in the flesh. He is eternal. Just because it doesn't make sense to us doesn't mean it doesn't make sense to him. We started the year 2024 out. We looked at Elijah standing on top of Mount Carmel calling down fire. And God pours water on the fire. He tells Elijah to pour water on the fire. Now that doesn't make any sense, but that's how... That's how God does it. And you'll see time and time again stories in the Bible that doesn't make any sense to us, but it makes perfect sense to God. And there are a lot of things that you and I will come across in life that will make no sense to us whatsoever, but it makes sense to God. Because, you see, when we understand that God is there and his presence is there with us, we also understand that he has power. And sometimes he wants to show off supernaturally. He wants to separate himself from the natural to the supernatural. And so sometimes we need to understand in life that God is that mountain mover. He is that one that can walk on the water. He is the one that can do the supernatural. And that's the kind of God that lives in us. That's the kind of God that we serve. Today, he wanted his mother to just simply respect his authority and who he was. You know, in the first service, I was just talking and just thinking about the days of, of, of respect. You know, we have the Ten Commandments, and we know we ought to honor our fathers and our mother, but you know what? We're, we're living in a generation that, that you don't even hear some of the things that you and I grew up on. Yes, ma'am, and, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir. Do y'all remember those days? Man, I, I can remember a time that if I didn't say those things, if I didn't end whatever it is that I said, I mean, I would literally get in trouble because of that. There was, a, there was a level of respect. 
There used to be a level of respect for authority. There used to be a level of respect for the church. There used to be just simply a level of respect for the things of God, but no longer do we have that. But I think it needs to be made clear that we need to understand that Jesus is not natural. He's supernatural. So what he's looking for you and I is to have a level of belief, a a level of thought, a level of faith that says no matter what we're going through, whether we understand it or not, He's with us, and he has the power to change our situation. The third thing, and we often have used this, is oftentimes we don't realize that God's delays are not always God's denial. Sometimes God has us in waiting periods of life. Whenever you look at the conversation, you see that when they ran out of wine, they had this problem. And then Cana was this great metropolitan place. It was kind of like this big, big mega market, but they didn't, wasn't like around here. They couldn't just simply run out to the local ABC or the wine and more store. They're hosting this problem, and it would have certainly been a disgrace to, to throw a party during this time and to just simply run out of things at the party. So she, his mother, is in need of a supernatural power. She doesn't go to Peter. She doesn't go to James. She doesn't go to John. She doesn't go to Andrew. She's in need of supernatural power, so she goes to Jesus. What do you do when you get in real trouble? You need to run to the one that can give you the answer. He's the one that has the power to change it. He he is the Christ. That means that he has the power to remove burdens. He he has the power to destroy yokes. He he has the power to heal the brokenhearted. He has the power to to set uh, the captives free. He has the power to give recovery of sight to the blind and liberty to those that are oppressed. He not only was the anointed one, he is the anointed one that has the power to deliver. So if you're in need, you call upon him and he will show you great and mighty things that you know not. What is it that the church needs more than anything today? We need power. We need God's power. We need Jesus. Paul spoke of the church in the latter days, and this is what Paul said. Paul said in the latter days that the church would have a form of godliness, but deny the power there are. Think about that. They would have a form of godliness, but lack the power thereof. Think think about that. Today, we live in a world where we have preachers, we have entertainment, we we have a lot of things that the church has, but we lack the power of Almighty God. We lack being able to say to the, to the person that is on the ground to rise up and walk. We lack the power to be able to pray over somebody with cancer that, that they could see cancer get freed from them and be delivered. We lack the power to, to remove demonic activity over people's life. We, we lack the power to, to bring joy in the midst of sadness. We lack the power when we step into the room. There ought to be something about a Christian that sets on the light that provides hope to the hopeless. That provides encouragement to those that need encouragement. Something about our life, something about the Holy Spirit of God that lives in you and me. We ought to be difference makers in a world of need. In a world that's filled with tragedies and troubles and tribulations. Listen, we live in a day, an age that the church people will listen to a minority And we have pulpits that are afraid to mention even sin anymore. Sin has become a thing we don't mention. 
That means we're denying the power of Almighty God. We still have power in his name. We have power in his word. We have power, 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 wonder-working power. There's power in the blood of Jesus. Think about that, friend. What saved our soul? What gives us hope for the future? One of these days, in our last moment, what is going to set us free from the difference between heaven and hell was the blood of Jesus. There is still power in the blood of Christ. There's power in a lot of things today, friends, but I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. I'm thankful that there was a moment in my life that I bowed a knee and I accepted Jesus Christ. And in that moment, he moved into my life. And my life has never been the same since. There's power in the blood. There's power in his name to win the lost. There's power in his name to set people free from addictions. There's power through prayer to be able to bind Satan. There's power through the decoration to loose the heavenly hosts, to get some help from the supernatural from above. You know, we need to understand today that Jesus is coming back. And in his name, there is going to be great glory and great power. How will he rule the earth? He's going to rule it with power. How will he rule it with a rod and iron? That is power. A song says, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. He has a name that is highly exalted above all names. Listen, when the sick speak that name, they find a healer. When the needy speak that name, they find a provider. When captives speak that name, they find the deliverer. When you speak that name, you find a savior. When you speak the mighty name of Jesus, you receive his power. What does Christ say to do? Whatever he says to do. That's what his mother says. Whatever he says. Can you imagine telling people in a context of a situation, look, whatever Jesus says, you just need to do it. I said a couple weeks ago, I said many times before, if an elephant's going to lay an egg and that's a promise of God, you need to get the pan ready, man. I mean, it's just simply the way it is. Listen, our attitudes toward God will either push man to him or draw man away from him. How you react to God, it either draws people to Christianity or it takes them away from Christianity. You see, the Bible lets us know that we ought to lift up the name of Christ. That in the name of Jesus, things change. In the name of Jesus, we have power. We have victory. You see, in the name of Jesus, we, we can be encouraged. That we don't always have to see sad things as sad. We don't always have to see the chaotic things. We, we know that better times are on the horizon. Better days are ahead. I'm glad that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Friends, I want you to know today that, that all the ground outside of here, it's sinking sand. It's sinking sand. We know the story in Matthew about the two builders. They, they both build houses and, and they both uh, experience storms. They both, whether, whether it was the righteous or the unrighteous, whether it was the believer or the unbeliever, they both build these houses. 
But the house that weathers the storm is the one that was built upon Jesus. And you know what? I'm happy today to report, friends, that I don't know everything. I don't get a lot of things right in my life. But I'm happy to report today that my life is built upon the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. And nothing else, nothing else can change. Nothing else can change that. No matter what takes place in life that we're living in, in, a, in a world today where a lot of ground is shifting sands. There's a lot of foundations with cracks. There's a lot of different things that are going on in our world. But the one foundation that you and I have, and that's just simply to build our lives upon Jesus. The greatest decision anybody will ever make in this life is simply to follow Christ. The greatest confidence, the greatest faith, the greatest belief that you will ever have will just simply believe in the miracle that Jesus can and that Jesus can save your life, he can save others' lives, and he can make a difference in whatever it is your situation is. Let me just close with this final thought. It's interesting that what they put in these water pots was from their hands. But what eventually comes out of the water pots was not from their hands, it was from his hands. And, and, and what I want you to understand here is that in our lives, we all have a past. We all have something that's back in the past. We all live to the flesh. We're born DOA, meaning dead on arrival. We are all separated from Christ as soon as we're born into this world. So that kind of comes from the hands of man. That kind of comes from the hands of the flesh. But when Jesus told them to do what he told them to do in this story, in this miracle, what they put in the pots came from their hands, but what came out of the pots, the wine, he saved the best for last. In other words, it came from his hands. I want you to know today, when it comes to the transformation process, we're all born sinners, but we have the ability to become saints. We're all born, we're going to be separated from Almighty God, but we have a chance. We have a chance through transformation, through regeneration, through forgiveness, to be able to be redeemed through Jesus Christ, to be able to get back to him to be able to eventually go to heaven. And you know, I know that our world is becoming more and more anti-Christian, anti-God, anti-church every single day. And you know what? Our world can have its own beliefs. It can have its own thoughts. It can do its own thing. But I truly believe it's going to be a moment like no other moment that one of these days Christ is going to pull back the curtain. And he's coming. He's coming for his church. The Bible says that don't, don't let Jesus coming back be a surprise. He's coming as a thief in the night. Just when everybody in the world proclaims that there's peace and everything's good, that's when Jesus is coming. I want you to leave here today knowing this. All these miracles that we see that are supernatural throughout Scripture, they're not just 
not just to meet the need. Those are byproducts and benefits, but they're also to give us a solid foundation in believing that our God can do the impossible. And today, I want you to know he's still a miracle-working God. And I know it's easy for us to sit here today and think, man, the world's out of control. But you know what? It's not out of control. The controller of all things, according to Colossians, is Almighty God. And he might be letting some things happen that you and I wouldn't let happen. He might be letting some things be that you and I wouldn't let be. But I want you to know today that our God is still in control. And in a matter of a moment, he can jerk this thing back into control quicker than you could even think or you can even imagine. Maybe he's trying to see if we will just simply turn to him and trust him. Because if you can trust God in the hard times, you'll definitely be able to trust him in the good times. That's a sermon right there. Amen. I, I got to run that. I got to run that right there because uh, I just got that off the email. Uh, if you can trust God in the hard times, anybody can trust God in the good times. And I'll close with this right here. When it's hard and it's difficult and you're needy, if you can learn to trust God in the midst of that need then, I promise you, you'll be able to trust God all the days of your life. When it's hard, there's moments that it's hard. I don't know who I'm speaking to in here, but there's some people that moments will be hard. But if you can trust God then, you can trust God.